Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. To 2 Samuel chapter 22, if you want to meet me there tonight, 2 Samuel chapter 22. And uh, this is kind of a little bit out of the teach mode, but if you can roll with me, we'll do it on a Wednesday. If you can handle that, can you? Amen. So 2 Samuel chapter 22, the last Wednesday here of this year. Amen. And we're going to be reading in verses 33 and 34. Just a reminder that this coming Sunday is a fifth Sunday. And with that being the case, there will be only one service in the a.m. this coming Sunday. And so come and be a part of that. Brother Mason will be here ministering uh, in that service. My wife and I will be in Knoxville, Tennessee, ministering for a little three-service revival. So pray for us as we are there, and uh, we'll see what the Lord will do. Amen with that. If you're there, say amen. amen. 2 Samuel 22, verses 33 and 34. The Bible says, God is my strength and power, and he maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hinds feet and setteth me upon my high places. And that is our scripture setting here today. This is a song, a praise of deliverance from David in the Old Testament that is also mirrored in the Psalms as well. Tonight, I'd like to minister to you the simple title. God did this to me. Look at your neighbor and tell them that God did this to me. God did this to me. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you this evening and we need you, Lord, in this place. I'm praying, oh God, for the anointing of your presence. Your word is already anointed. Your word is forever settled in heaven. God, we know that to be a fact, God, according to your word. I'm praying, oh God, take your word, Lord Jesus, tonight, God, and share it among your people. God, bring, Lord, I pray, God, understanding, revelation, Lord Jesus, that can only happen, Lord, through and by you. God, and we'll not fail to thank you, Lord, for what you accomplished, Lord, in this place. And we'll give you the glory and the honor for it. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. And everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. God did this to me. Second Samuel 22, this song is a song of praise for deliverance. It is coupled along with the next chapter that is some of David's last words of his life according to the word of the Lord. Both of them found here in the closure of Second Samuel 22. Scarlers are not certain that if this work of this song of deliverance is whenever David was a young man or whether it was when he was an old man, but nonetheless, it is definitely the work of our warrior David, the David that made his debut among the people on really a battlefield of war. If anyone was familiar with battle, it was David throughout the pages of Scripture. He is identified as a man of war on more than one occasion. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that he shed so much blood that it seemed to almost even disqualify him for building a house unto the Lord or at the very least kept him occupied from building a house unto God. David's enemies did not only consist of foreign powers but 
of people of his divided nation. His enemies even consisted of his own flesh and blood within his own house. If David wasn't dealing with the javelins of or the seize and conquer and destroy uh, type of mentality of King Saul, then he was navigating the unrest in his own household. He coped with his sons jockeying for positions in the throne room in the kingdom. He dealt with them undermining his authority. Oftentimes, David considered these in his own household and his countrymen at times his enemies. But this song of praise is almost recorded word for word yet again with just a few variations in Psalms 18. What may have begun in 2 Samuel 22 as a personal song in David's life was submitted in Psalms 18, the Bible says, to the chief of the musician as a song for anyone's life. What started out as just a personal song, a, a personal musical interlude, if you will, of David's became something that every individual could relate to and at one time or another had been in. Isn't it amazing tonight that the song of deliverance for one has overtones and crescendos of similarity to the song of deliverance for each and every one of us, that there is a there is a thread of similarity in your deliverance and in my deliverance. The Bible says in Psalms 124, it states it rather emphatically. It says, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, they say our enemies would have swallowed us up quickly. It says, if it had not been the Lord that had been on our side, the waters of adversity would have overwhelmed us and we would have been as prey to their teeth and we would have not escaped their snare had it not been the Lord that was on our side. But David proclaims loudly, but our help is in the name of the Lord. Can someone cry out Jesus? Our help is in the name of the Lord. In other words, the thread of commonality between your song of deliverance and my song of deliverance is the deliverer. It is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Had it not been for the Lord on any of our sides, our song may have never been sung. Can someone say amen? The Bible says in the Old Testament that Moses and he and both Miriam sang their song when deliverance came from Pharaoh and from Egypt. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that there will be a new song that will be sung in that blessed time and in that blessed land and it will be the song of the redeemed or it will be the song of the delivered. David's song here in 2 Samuel 22 is a result of having been delivered. The Bible says from all of his enemies, not some, but all of his enemies, including Saul. David said in Psalms 32 and verse 7, speaking of the Lord, thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. See, songs were majorly tied to deliverance. They were composed of as a result of deliverance. If you were being left without a song, you was to be left without deliverance or at least without any trouble because it's the trouble that necessitates the deliverance and it's the deliverance that necessitates a song. Somebody has a song here to sing tonight. Yes, Amen. 
We're admonished in God's word to sing him a new song. But a new song means a new deliverance. A new song means we've encountered a new trouble. Don't exchange the refrains of a new song for a life absent of trouble, absent of heartache, absent of despair, absent of tribulation, but you're going to get your new song when you come through a new trouble. You'll get your new song when you come through a new dilemma. You'll get your new song when you come through a new medical. Oh yeah, you'll get your new song because once you get your deliverance, it requires a song to be sung concerning what has happened. When you come through your dilemma with a new song of deliverance, it's going to be fresh on your lips. David said, for he hath delivered me out of all my trouble. And my eye have seen his desire upon mine enemies. So David is rejoicing in 2 Samuel 22. He's rejoicing over his deliverance. And when you read Psalm 22, he attributes most and much of his deliverance to what God has done. David does not take the credit for himself. Although he was involved in a myriad of battles against various enemies, he attributes to the victory, the success, because of what God had done. David was a skilled warrior. He knew how to use the sling. He knew how to use the stone, perhaps better than any. But he wasn't too wise, amen, to not remember the name of the Lord playing in his success, playing in his victory, playing in his deliverance. When you read 2 Samuel 22 and you start to go down through the verses, David spends several verses and much time describing what God did, particularly what God did for, everybody say for, what God did for him. As he recounts, as he remembers, he said, God bowed the heavens for me. God came down and left his throne in glory when I cried out to him. God thundered from heaven and spoke with a boisterous voice whenever I cried unto him. God sent arrows and scattered my enemies. God, everybody say God. God rebuked my foes. God pulled me, David, out of many threatening waters. He began to go through time and start to summarize everything that God had done for him. How God had been there. And God did this and God did that. But then there is a shift in the chapter. There's a shift in the chapter. There is a change. There's an alteration. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 22 and verse 38, David switches. He's talking about everything that God has done for him and bow the heavens and shoot the arrows and scatter the enemies. And then he says, I have pursued mine enemies and destroyed them and turned not again until I have consumed them. And I have consumed them and wounded them that they could not arise, yet they are fallen under my feet. Something happens. At first, he's going through the laundry list of everything that God did for him, but then he starts talking about what he did. 
At first, he's not taking credit on anything, but then it almost seems as though he's starting to take some credit over how he pursued his enemies and destroyed them and consumed them. Everything was on the focal point of God, and then a little later, there's a little switch, and there's a focal point upon David. But David starts telling what David did, but in reality, it is what God enabled David to do. Just prior to these verses in our text, amen, David is sharing what God did for him. But in the latter portion of this text, David starts to describe what God did to him. Someone say amen. (laughs) God did this for me. But let's discuss a little bit what God did to him. Because just as important of what God does for you is what God does to you. Someone say amen. What God does to you. Someone say, I need God to do something to me. We're quick to lift our voice and I need God to do something for me. But when's the last time you asked God to do something to you? Many times we interpret God doing something for us, so that's all on God. But let's ask God to do something to us so that he might be able to do something through us. Someone say amen. David is rejoicing. He's rejoicing quite well. Amen. And the Bible says he begins to describe in our scripture text of verses 33 and 34, but verse 34 for our attention right now, that he starts to describe what God did to him. The Bible says, he maketh my feet like hind's feet. That's not what God did for him. That's what God did to him. He maketh my feet like hind's feet. Now, now a hind is nothing more but a, a female deer, especially a red deer, over three years old. She is the counterpart to the male deer known as a heart. You've heard David say, as the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O Lord. Well, the hind is the female counterpart to the heart or to the stag. The hind was perfect in tracking. And when I mean that, when I say that, I mean this. It means that she can place her back feet exactly where her front feet had stepped. Amen. Her back foot, and you might watch behind me tonight, the back foot of these animals step exactly where their front foot just was. It's almost you have to look real careful. It's just real quick, but it lifts that front foot just right before the back foot lands, and the back foot is going to land in the track of the front foot. The hind foot would always fall exactly on the trail. It would always fall on the print made by the front foot. Each track being, if you will, kind of doubled. The first foot makes an impression, and then the back foot just comes and makes the same impression. It just emphasizes where the first foot went. The safe places, the safe places that the animal would find, amen, for its front feet. Amen, it just left that safe place where its front feet was. The hind feet will come perfectly trained in its body, right behind that front foot, unerring to the exact same safe spot that the first foot just left from. Someone say amen. And that's how David then says metaphorically that God 
has made his feet like hinds feet. Because an advantage of this is that a hind is able to run with abandonment because she is swift and she is sure-footed. And in times of danger, she's able to run securely and not get off track, so to speak. Hallelujah! Because her second steps are always predetermined by her first step. In other words, the hind is not trying to figure out where to put her back feet. She's not thinking in her mind, where am I going to place my back feet? No, she just simply puts her back feet where her front feet have already safely stepped. If her front feet had a good footing there, she knows her back feet's going to have a good footing. David says, I'll tell you what God did to me. He made my feet like hinds feet. What did that mean? It meant that in every other step, I had an ordered step because my back feet just follow where my first feet have already been. And if my first step was safe, my second step I know would be safe because God's made my feet. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying we need God to do something to us something to us because there's many people that's taken some first steps but their back feet didn't track with the first feet and as a result of it they got off track and they got off plan but God I'm saying do to me make my feet like hinds feet so they track in line they track in line they track Lord in harmony and in purpose they say that a hind normally doesn't fall down their step is sure if a hind falls, it is more than likely due to a slippery surface, more so than a misstep. David understood this because he tells of a couple instances where his foot, not feet, where his foot slipped. It was the betrayal, if you will, of a solitary step. He got off track. Bible says in Psalms 38 and verse 16, when my foot, foot slippeth. In Psalms 94 and 18, he said, my foot, singular, slippeth. One time David even admitted that his feet, his feet now, plural, were almost gone. And his steps had well nigh slipped. But the only way that happens to a hind is if it is in a compromising environment of ice or such. They say a hind will not fall unless it's somewhere that is slippery. And if it's a slippery, icy place, she may fall. But a hind will only slip in slippery places. I'm telling you, I need God to do something to me. I need God to do something to me so that I can stand, not trip, not fall, not stumble. Hallelujah. That the only way that that could happen is if I ever find my place in a compromising environment or situation. What are you saying then, Brother McGee? I'm saying this. Rocky places are no competition to the hind. Wet places are no challenge to the hind. Thorny, narrow places cause not the hind to fear. It's the slippery places that may cause the doom for the hind and the heart. 
See, David, David met a lot of trouble head on. But there were some other tactics. Like being a fugitive from Saul. Or perhaps his choice to leave Jerusalem during the rebellion of Absalom. That rather than meeting it head on, knowing how to walk away, served him best. See, David could stand as long as he avoided the slippery places. And I believe this evening that I'm looking at a group of people here tonight that we can assuredly walk in our journey as well if we avoid the slippery places. Song of Solomon said in Proverbs 4 and verse 14, he said, enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. For they sleep not except they have done mischief and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. What are you saying? I'm saying David could stand as long as he avoided the slippery places. Can I tell you this evening that teasing with temptation is a slippery place. Making a provision for the flesh is a slippery place. Deliberate disobedience is a slippery place. The path of the wicked and the way of evil men is a slippery place. Why? Because they're bent on causing somebody to fall. It's a slippery place. The word trespass in the Greek comes from a root word which literally means a slip or a fall. What's interesting about this is because a slip and a fall are really two different words. The problem is this, is that you can slip without falling. But note well, you were most never fall without having slipped first. There have been times in my life that I lost my balance and then regained it and I thought, whew, that was close. I even tell my wife, I almost fell. But I almost falls a slip. A complete fall begins with a slip. It begins with a loss of balance, but it ends with a fall. Someone say amen. Whenever Paul was talking to the church at Ephesus in the New Testament scripture, he was talking to them that had experienced God, had started an experience with God. He told them these words, these that newly experienced God, if you will, these that had newly had God do something to them. God did something to them. And Paul tells the church at Ephesus this. He says, we don't walk as other Gentiles walk. He says, the way that we used to go on our business and the way that our feet used to track. He says, it's not the same because God's done something to you. He's made your feet like hinds feet. And so where your first foot goes, your second foot is following. He's changed things up on you. We don't walk like other Gentiles walk. And he went on to tell them, not only do we not walk like other Gentiles walk, but he told them, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. He said, be renewed in your mind. Be renewed in your thoughts. Because your mind and your thoughts 
is going to somehow affect your behavior. And whenever God does something to you, it'll affect the way that you walk and it'll affect the way that you behave. I need God to do something to me. When Jacob was blessing his sons in Genesis 49, he's going through them one by one. Not necessarily in their birth order, but one by one. He is going through the sons, and he is at his deathbed. He is near and nigh death, and he is placing a blessing upon each of those boys. And as you read it in Genesis 49, some of those blessings are quite lengthy. Others are quite abbreviated and quite short. And so when we come to Genesis 49, there is a blessing that he pronounces over one of the boys by the name of Naphtali. And it is probably out of the 12 sons, it is probably the smallest blessing of all the sons. I mean, some of them, you have several verses and paragraphs, and Naphtali almost can just be one line on a half a page of the Bible. Just not much to it. One of the smallest blessings of all the sons. But though it be small, it is pregnant with meeting. Jacob blesses his son Naphtali and says, Naphtali is a hind. Let loose. He giveth goodly words. <laughs> Knowing what we have already discussed this evening about the swiftness and the sure-footedness of the hind, Naphtali is the son then that was known for his walk and his talk. He's like a hind set loose and he giveth Goodly words. He's known for his walk and he's known for his talk. I tell you again tonight that a hind will not be imbalanced whenever it follows its second steps where its first steps had landed. We need to stay tonight on course as we lead into the next year. We need to stay on course and stay on track. Why? Because God has enabled us to by doing something to us. Brother Zach, I don't know if you know how to turn any monitors up, but if you can, for me, that would be tremendous. I appreciate it. He's enabled us to do so. Look again at verse 34 in 2 Samuel 22. The King James says, He maketh my feet like hinds feet, and setteth me upon my high places. The New Living Translation says of the second portion of that verse, Enabling me to stand on mountain heights. The net Bible describes the second portion of that verse. He enables me to negotiate the rugged terrain. The, the Young's literal translation says concerning that verse, making my feet like hinds and on my high places causeth me to stand. Another advantage of having hinds feet is that a hind can scale very difficult terrain in order to evade predators. A hind loses its predators in the high places because it has that ability of being able to track perfectly. The back feet landing where the first front feet were. That's what gives it the ability to scale rugged 
tumultuous terrain is because it can track perfectly. And as a result of it, it can go places. Other animals or even predators cannot go because it has hinds. Someone say amen. You know what David calls him? He says it like this. He says, he, he maketh me to set in my high. He says, everybody say mine. He says, my high places. David calls them my hind places because my high places because only a hind could reach them. Only a hind could obtain them. See, there are some high places in God that are only for us because God has enabled us and did something to us in order to enable us to be the ones that can reach it. Clouds can't get there. Sorrow can't get there. Adversaries can't get there. Foe can't trample that ground. But somebody with hind's feet can scale the rugged path because God's done something to them. And what he done to them has enabled them to reach a height that no other predator or animal can reach. That's how it says in Ephesians that God hath made us to sit together if I may in high heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Which that high heavenly place is what? Well the Bible says in Ephesians 1.21 that high heavenly place is far above hearing me? Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in the world which is to come. That high heavenly place is a place that's far above all. Power, principality matters not. That place is above all. I'm telling you tonight that our hinds feet, what God has done to us, has enabled us to reach high places that are far above principalities and dominions and powers and things that would in the lowlands stare you down in the face. Got to look up to you in high places. The Bible says in Jude, Jude 1, only one chapter in Jude anyway, but in Jude 1, 24, it says, Now unto him, speaking of God, now unto him that is able to keep you from... Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Now listen. Understand, we live in a real world, and none of us are above falling. But we are not below succeeding in our climb either. Let me say that again. None of us are above falling, but none of us are below succeeding in our climb either. God has kept us from falling because of what he has done, not for, but to. What he has done to you. He's made our feet like hinds feet. He's made me to dwell in high places by 
enabling me to walk in rough terrain. Uh I can dwell there because he's enabled me to walk in the dismal areas of life. He's enabled me to walk in the questionable areas of life. The uncertain areas of life. But because of that enabling, I'm able to dwell though in a place that I wouldn't otherwise be able to dwell. Had it not been for what he did to me. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 22 and verse 37. In that song of deliverance. David says unto the Lord. Keeping with this feet mentality and idea. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me. So that my feet did not slip. Oh David's talking about the sureness of the steps. That the Lord has given him. You go on to verse 49. And he brings it up again. And that bringing, bringeth me forth from mine enemies. Thou also has lifted me up on high above them that rose up against me thou hast delivered me from the violent men or man listen now how has God enlarged David's steps how has God caused his feet not to slip how has God lifted him up on high above his enemies God did all of this by what God did to him, by giving him feet, hinds feet, because they will track well. They are sure-footed. They can scale the rocky terrain. God, listen to me very well right here tonight. God does not always remove the rocky terrain, but he may make your feet, hinds feet, to climb what is there. Because that's where we get in the picture. I want God to do something for me. I want God to make this mountain a plain. I, I want God to make this certainty with some definition. I want God to do that for me. And while we're asking God to do something for us, he's wanting to do something to us. He's not wanting to change your circumstances. He's wanting to change you. Change you in such a way you can make it through your circumstances. Change your feet in such a way you can go up the rough and the rocky and the dismal terrain and go to a high place you've never ascended to the heights before. Because of what God did to you. So he don't always remove the terrain. Sometimes he changes you to enable you to walk. To enable you to walk. See, sometimes I think maybe we've been innocently praying for God to do something for us. Do something for me, God. When what I really need for him to do is something to do something to me. Can I tell you tonight that God doesn't need to take you from every valley that you're in and set you on the mountaintop? God doesn't need to heal us every time sickness comes on our body. God doesn't need to bring the money every time that we're lacking it. Yeah, we, we don't need that every we don't need God to do these things every time and he doesn't need to remove the mountain either we don't need God to sweep in and just remove the mountain sometimes we just simply need him to make our feet capable of scaling the mountain of walking in the desert walking in the valley walking in under with pebbles hard under our feet we just need God to do something to us so we can endure up to the end Look at verse 33, 2 Samuel 22, 
in our scripture reading tonight. Verse 33 ends with this. God, this is David, God maketh my way perfect. Now, interpret the word perfect. God makes my way sound. God makes my way without obstacles. God makes my way without rigor or difficulty. But here's the question. How does God make the way sound? Seemingly without obstacle, seemingly without difficulty. And he shows us in the very next verse. God made my way perfect whenever he gave me feet. Like Heinz feet. See, he makes the way sound by making our feet capable. He makes the way perfect by making our feet capable but trouble still there the difficulty still there but he's given us feet to scale the impossible and to keep on track in spite of the seemingly unimaginable This is not David saying he took everything away. No, it's that God did something to me that what was at first impossible since God did something to me. Now I'm capable of trudging over the same path, but it's sound and almost without obstacle because of what God did to me. And so the thing that I want you to pass from this year into the next year in in your mind with is this. That what God did not do for you. You listen. What God did not do for you this year. He may have been doing something to you. So that he might do something through you. Because we're going to close out here in a few days. It's going to be the last hour and the last seconds. People's going to some stay up to midnight. Others are just going to get their sleep. And they're going to be waiting. They're going to say, oh, it's New Year. And they're going to look just very quickly over past 12 months. And they're going to start to think, God didn't do this for me. And God didn't do that for me. And there's still that rough terrain. And there's still that mountain. And there's still this dilemma. And there's still that problem. But what you may not have recognized that all along the past 12 months, God may have been doing something to you. You need to check your feet. And he might do something through you in 2019 because of what he did to you in 2018. Your circumstance didn't change, but you've changed. So what are you saying, Brother McGee? I'm saying when it comes time and the bells whistle and the fireworks go off and the ball drops, somebody needs to put their pen to the page and start to write your song of deliverance. You might not be able to say anything that he's done for you, but perhaps you can be introspective and say God's done something to me and that is that necessitates a song of deliverance. He has... You'll stand with me here this evening. What he did not do for you, he may have done to you so that he might do something through you. (laughs) Same old, same old, that's all right. I'm looking at my neighbor, I'm saying, God did this to me. 
hinds feet, being able to scale craggy places, being able to endure some of life's all-time lows. How you do that? God did this to me. Let me tell you, sometimes it takes just as much faith to see the mountain removed as it does to scale the mountain. You hearing me? You hearing me? Just in Hebrews 11, whenever it talks about those women receiving her dead back to life again and all these great faith things that happen, the Bible says, and there were others that were tried by fire. They were in stocks and bonds. It never speaks of their deliverance. It speaks about what they went through. But they had just as much faith as the ones that got per se the deliverance and the obstacle removed. They had just as much faith with them because they were able to scale the obstacle because of what God did to them. God did this to me. We bow our heads in this place on this Wednesday night. Hallelujah. Uh, last Wednesday in this year, there may be, and I know without doubt, there's people sitting in the sound of my voice that have some insurmountable mountains, that have some ranges that extend so high up into the horizon, into the sky, that the sun is, is no doubt at times eclipsed by its height. And you're thinking, how in the world are we going to be able to overcome this? How in the world and I am going to be able to make it through this? It seems like day by day by day, difficulty and despair are more, my friends, than happiness and joy. How in the world am I going to make it through? God isn't doing anything for me. Maybe you need to change your prayer, sir. Maybe you need to change your, 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 your prayer and say, God, I need you to do something to me. I need you to do something to me. Do something to my feet, Lord, so they track well. Do something to my feet, Lord, so that they're sure and they can abound. Do something to my feet, Lord, so I can scale what is in front of me. Do something. God, do something to me. Can we raise our hands in this place right now if the church can start praying right now, please? These altars are open tonight. I know we don't have anybody else to going to come up here and perhaps play, but these altars are open right now tonight. If you're saying in your spirit, I don't want to go into my new year feeling as though what's in front of me is defeating me. I want to find my feet on the top of that mountain because God is going to do something to me. He's already in the past done many things for me, but I'm at a juncture in the road now. I need God to do something to me. I need him to enlarge my, my steps so I won't slip. I need him to set me up on a high place by virtue of enabling me so I can be far above all those principalities, dominions, enemies, and fortresses that would be against me. God, do something to me. Oh, some are perplexed. Some have been distressed. Some have been overwhelmed. Some, if you will, feel defeated already. Some feel depressed. Some, ay, ay, ay. But God wants to do something to you. He's not wanting to change your circumstance. He's wanting to change you. 
God, do something to me. Do something to Pastor McGee. Do something to Pastor McGee. God, so that my feet will track well. God, so that my second step will follow my first step. It'll be a safe, sure place. God, so I can scale what I believe is impossible. Change me. Do something to me. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.